It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Benny Thompson, the chairman of this committee, said everything's on the table until we raise this issue about the speaker's office is the one who knows what, what the security posture and why it was the way it was. Once we raise that question, he said, well, everything's on the table except that question. Again, that's why I think we were kicked off the committee, which I think underscores how political this thing actually is. And I would argue this. The main reason the Democrats want to keep talking about January 6th, because what the heck else are they going to talk about, Brett? They're going to talk about the 12 murders in Chicago last week. They're going to talk about the price of goods and services up for everything. They're going to talk about the fact that our border, I mean, we had a record number of illegal crossings in March until uh, April, and then we had a record number in April until May. We had a record number in May until June. That is a bad trend. They can't talk about any of that stuff. So they're going to focus on do what they always do, attack the former president. All right. That was Jim Jordan talking to Brett Baer last night, and he's talking about uh, the beginning of the January 6th commission. Okay. Select committee. The select committee that has, uh, what, seven seven Democrats and two Republicans, both of them that hate Trump. That's Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Uh, Liz Cheney actually opened up uh, her opening remarks were, you know, pretty transparent to me in regard to where Liz seems to be coming from, which has been a mystery to me. Not really a mystery. She hasn't made it a mystery, but the change in her has become a mystery. This blind hatred for Donald Trump. And um, so she opens her, this is what she said, we cannot leave the violence of January 6th and its causes uninvestigated. The American people deserve the full and open testimony of every person with knowledge of the planning and preparation for January 6th. We must know what happened here at the Capitol. Listen, I agree. I don't disagree with anything she just said. I'm all for it. Let's have an open debate about what happened, uh, information gathering from people who actually want to know the truth, and that's where the breakdown happens. And we're going to make that point today very slowly and laboriously, but we'll play clips from the uh, hearing. We'll also play clips uh, from the press conference, which you m- probably didn't hear because, uh, let's see, it was removed from social media. C-SPAN still has a clip of a clip of it, and we're going to play quite a bit of it so you can hear it. Because across town in front of the Justice Department, uh, six uh, congressmen led by Congressman Gohmert uh, held a presser in front of the Justice Department. Uh, they were not allowed in the Justice Department. They would not even let them in the lobby. And they held their presser, and while they held their presser, a group of leftist protesters came out blowing whistles, uh, making as much noise as possible, and you'll hear that. Uh, But you can still hear what they have to say, and we're going to let you hear it. So we're going to play pieces of the hearing that that took place, the first hearing yesterday, and then uh, parts of the uh, press conference and then a few other things, too. But uh, Jan, um, So back to what Liz Cheney had to say. She talks about how we need to get to the bottom of it. We need to know what happened in D.C. 
But then she says, we must also know what happened every minute of that day in the White House. Every phone call, every conversation, every meeting leading up to, during, and after the attack. So uh, this honorable man, she says, and women have an obligation to step forward. So, so Liz Cheney obviously thinks that President Trump orchestrated that. She wants it to be true. Wouldn't it be nice for her because she hates him? And if we could find out that President Trump orchestrated the event and the violence, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? And I really think that's what Liz is hoping for, but I don't think there's any truth to that whatsoever. Uh, nevertheless, that's what the theme was part of, for that hearing. So they called four policemen uh, to testify, and those four policemen were some were from uh, the D.C. Metropolitan Police and others were Capitol Hill Police. And I'm going to talk to you about them in just a second and play some clips from the things that they said because uh, because you need to hear what happened yesterday. Now, in fact, um, let's do that. We have um, the fir- one of the first officers I want to play for you is an officer named um, uh, Aguilono Gonel. And he is, I think, from the Dominican Republic or someplace like that, Central America, someplace. Um, he's an immigrant, and um, very emotionally, he gave his testimony about his experience. Let's listen. All of them were telling us, Trump, send us. Nobody else, there was nobody else. It was not Antifa. It was not Black Lives Matters. It was not the FBI. It was his supporter that he sent them over to the Capitol that day. And he could have done a lot of things. One of them was to tell them to stop. So that, all right, that's a testimony, but that's like a, a lot of opinion. So Sergeant Gunnell knows that every person there said Trump sent them. And he said the, the people that came in weren't the FBI. They weren't Antifa. They weren't Black Lives Matter. They were sent by President Trump, they told us. So that's his statement. And that, it's just, uh, that's an emotional statement that can't possibly be borne out in evidence. It's like me, you know, defending um, the people that the people that are being held in solitary confinement. I don't know what everyone did, and I can't defend all of them. But I tend to defend them because I know of the injustices to some of them. So, so you have to be very careful what you hear and what you listen to. The other uh, policeman that was there, Metropolitan Police Department, was an officer, Fanon. Um, who had a lot to say, and in fact, let's listen to one of his first statements. Let's listen. Clip 12. Is an investigation into those actions and activities uh, which may have resulted in the events of January 6th, and also whether or not there was collaboration between those members, their staff, and these terrorists. So the people that came into the Capitol were terrorists, and this policeman, who's supposed to be a policeman, not an investigator, not a person making policy, is saying that now we need to investigate. You know, who, to, who brought these people in here? What, uh, what was behind all of this? He also said, I feel like I went to hell and back, but now too many people are telling me hell that, me hell that doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. The indifference shown to by my colleagues is disgraceful. We'll probably have you listen to that clip in a few minutes. Uh, so that was a Fanon uh, testifying. And then there was, um, so this is clip seven, and I can't even read my own writing. So but let's listen to it, clip seven. I never expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. You know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys helped. 
You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days, how we take accountability for that. Okay, so that's Adam Kinzinger breaking down and crying. And I read, uh, actually, that a Kleenex was being handed out before, before the uh, hearing started. Someone was handing out Kleenex. And so Adam Kinzinger, who is, you know, uh, like an, a, a, a veteran of, uh, of war, is crying over January 6th. Okay, so then we turn to Adam Kinzinger. And, um, uh, no, I mean to Adam Schiff, sorry. Adam Kinzinger and then Adam Schiff. Okay, so let's hear Adam Schiff, who, remember famously, uh, you saw him every day, like 45 times a day during the uh, presidency of Donald Trump, ac- accusing you know, um, congressman accusing the president of being Russian assets. That's the guy with the crazy eyes, okay? I, didn't, I don't remember ever seeing him cry when he was, like, upset to think maybe his president was a traitor, which is what he accused him of being every day. That would be a pretty sad thing, wouldn't it? But that what didn't make him tearful. But somehow he was overcome yesterday. Let's listen. God help us. And if we're so driven by bigotry and hate that we attack our fellow citizens as traitors, if they're born in another country or they don't look like us. And and God help us. But I have faith because of folks like you. And Adam, I didn't expect this would be quite so much later, but it must be an Adam thing today. Uh, it must be, uh, but I guess that was anticipated since the Kleenex was headed out. And I, there's an article uh, by Glenn Greenwald that really kind of uh, lays it up. Glenn again is a, a a leftist. He's a he's a gay journalist, highly respected for his journalism abilities, but certainly not in the camp of conservatives. You've seen him with Tucker Carlson a lot, and he's written an article. Uh, he overnight he wrote this article, and this is his title: "Exploiting Police Emotions for Partisan Gain." and security state power. The only unanswered questions about January 6th is how embedded was the FBI in the groups that planned it? And that question is notably off the table. He said House Democrats on Monday were finally able to begin the spectacle they have long sought, a pointless and entirely theatrical investigation into the events of January 6th. They barely even try to offer a pretext that they are seeking to uncover unknown information. After months of relentless media coverage, among, along with what the FBI has boasted, is one of the largest criminal investigations in U.S. history. The only real question that remains unanswered is the one Democrats and their corporate media allies have no interest in t- interrogating. To what extent was the FBI embedded in the groups that planned the protest, and how much foreknowledge did the Bureau have? And the reason there's a, like a correlation there, you know that the news came out uh, last week, that the FBI actually, it seems that they orchestrated that whole narrative about the kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer, uh, blowing up the Capitol, uh, that there were more FBI agents or people working with the FBI involved in that than there were actually conspirators, and that the FBI offered to pay for the explosives and gave the ideas and laid out the plan. And so um, others have said, and I've told you before, that many think that that was kind of a trial run for what happened at the Capitol. Now, who would know? I have to point out to you before I even go any further 
that what the left wants and what they do beautifully is create confusion. I don't think uh, there'll probably be ever a time when we totally understand the complications of January 6th. But the large themes that many of us are picking up is that there was inadequate security. There was inadequate police force. I heard that from you. Those of you that were there the very first day after the January 6th uh, insurrection to the Capitol or the incursion, I like to call it, into the Capitol, we opened the phone lines and you told, many of you called and said, we didn't see police. We didn't see, we, they, and they seemed confused. They didn't seem to know what they were doing. And yet we know in writing and by testimony, not in this hearing, not in this select committee, you're not going to hear this, that Nancy Pelosi, and uh, because she is the one in charge, was they were she was begged to bring in national guard uh and it, it happened more than once the the chief there uh of uh, the capitol police wanted help and they knew it beforehand because they had reports that there was going to be serious trouble uh but nobody did anything and so uh that's a big theme and that's something to remember we also know we know that antifa was there we know that john sullivan was there and he was part of antifa and black lives matter uh, that's one person uh, he was the one who filmed Ashley Babbitt's death, but nobody even talks about him. Oh, there was no Antifa there. No, no, none, none whatsoever. Just Christian supporters of Donald Trump. And I'll make the Christian point in just a second. Um, and so something's twisted here. Also, I can tell you, because I've been to the Capitol so many times, that it's huge. There are many, many entrances, and lots of different things happened at different places in the Capitol. Uh, some of you told me that it was very peaceful. Uh, the, the reports are that the police, uh, the, the Capitol Police actually let them in. You'll see video of that. Uh, and that was some people's experience. At other places, you see people breaking out windows, which is criminal. I mean, that, there's, that's inexcusable to break windows in our Capitol I, you know, and, and do damage to police. So who was there? And who orchestrated this? And what was this all about? I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of it with this select committee of uh, five Democrats and two Republicans who hate Donald Trump. I just kind of doubt it. And I'll tell you more about the Capitol Police who were testifying because that's interesting, too. So there's a lot to say. Please stay tuned. I'll try to make it this mess as clear as I can, as clearly as I understand it, at least the parts that I think are true and the parts that I think are false. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch, too. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833 Bible. That's 833 Bible. 833 Bible. This is Pause to Pray 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Vice Admiral John Hill, Director of the Missile Defense Agency. His agency's mission is to develop and deploy a missile defense system to defend the United States, her allies, and our nation's military. Proverbs 14.26 reminds us of God's protection for the faithful. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. Right now, with this in mind, Let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Vice Admiral John Hill as he works to protect our nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starr, and stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. A social justice group in Dallas wants white liberals to sacrifice their children's education on the altar of critical race theory. Dallas Justice Now is calling for white people to sign a pledge vowing not to send their kids to Ivy League schools. Dallas Justice Now says the spots vacated by white children should be offered to black kids, Hispanic kids, and other marginalized people. The pledge calls on those of us of the Caucasian persuasion to recognize that we have privilege from our whiteness. I have no doubt that some liberal parents will absolutely sign that pledge. Can you imagine? Trust fund Tommy planning to go to Harvard to get an MBA only to end up at welding school. That being said, the country would be better off if more parents, black and white, sent their kids to a trade school or a Christian school. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I've been left with the psychological trauma and the emotional anxiety of having survived such a horrific event. Okay, so that's Michael Fanona, and he's the one who, uh, as the Metropolitan Police Department uh, officer for, for D.C., and he's the one who said, I feel like I went to hell and back. He did other things, too. I, there's another clip of him that I wish I knew exactly right offhand is, but we'll wait a second about that, where he pounds his fist on the table. And I want to go back to this Glenn Greenwald uh, article that I was reading because I didn't really get to the nut of it and because I, I want you to hear him say, Mr. Green, Glenn Greenwald, the leftist gay reporter who is reporting on this, he says, what is the broader political purpose of publicly staging these emotive performances, however genuine they might be? Because Glenn makes the point that, of course, it was emotional it was emotional. Uh, there's, of course, some measure of truth to this for the officers that day, the ones that were uh, hurt by whoever it is that attacked officers. Uh, we don't know. How do, of course, they, they say they're Christian, you know, Trump supporters. Yeah, so uh, I, I kind of doubt that. But um, 
So the police are emotional about it, uh, and maybe they're genuine. They could be, of course. And the congressmen, obviously, were scared to death. That's the one thing that really struck me about all this is the the response of uh, congressmen and senators, how frightened they were. And it, it kind of clouded their judgment, I think, on what actually happened. But um, And Mitch McConnell's the leader of the pack on that. But um, So Glenn goes on to say, what's the broader political purpose? He said, to ask the question is to answer it. The purpose is to emotionally manipulate the public for partisan gain. Democrats believe that the more they force Americans to hear and care about January 6th, the better it is for them. But why are we not hearing from the police officers or their family members who were injured in the line of duty when being violently attacked by protesters from last summer, or who were seriously injured by trying to stop ordinary violent crime, because there is no political advantage to House Democrats platforming their struggles. The broader purpose of this hearing is even more pernicious, namely to continue to convince Americans that there is a grave threat to their safety and to their democracy coming from their fellow citizens. An enemy within, which the security state, the FBI, the NSA, and the CIA must be further empowered to crush. So uh, he has a lot more to say, but I, I'm, uh, I'll commend that to you. Exploiting police emotions for partisan gain. That's um, Glenn's article. We'll put that on our Facebook page. But let me just go to Senator Rand Paul because he tweeted just a little, like, uh, 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 let's just say put this in perspective. He said, Black Lives Matter rioter punched a police officer in the face, requiring surgical repair. And that was when Rand Paul was accosted by um, by Black Lives Matter protesters and Antifa in the plaza around the White House. I can't. Re- I think it was the night that President Trump gave his uh, speech when he was still in office, uh, and there was so much that, uh, violence that broke out in front of the White House. Uh, we talked about that. It was just horrific, and Rand Paul was and his wife Kelly were chased, and it was you saw it on camera. It was terrible, and the policeman was trying to guard him, and he was attacked, and that's the one that actually Rand's talking about. A Black Lives Matter rioter punched a police officer in the face, requiring surgical repair. Punishment released on his own recognizant. Nonviolent trespassing in Capitol on January the sixth. Solitary confinement without parole. Double standard. You bet. So um, uh, that's what Rand, Rand is reminding us of that. Now, I want to go back to the policemen that were testifying. Uh, one of them that I haven't mentioned yet was a guy named Harry Dunn. He's a large black gentleman. And I, I know this because I've seen, uh, before he was going to testify, I read an article about this, about his close relationship with Nancy Pelosi. There are pictures of them standing together with their arms around each other. So that's just something uh, that's probably kind of important to this story. And so um, I want to give you a few minutes of his testimony and comment on it because I want you to understand now what's in part certainly happening here. Uh, Here's um, uh, Harry Dunn. Before I begin, I'd like to take a moment of my time to ask for a moment of silence for my fallen colleague, Officer Brian Sicknick, who died from injuries he sustained in the line of duty defending the capital of our beloved democracy. And see, could I just say that's a lie? Harry Dunn knows better than that. Brian Sicklick, we know now, was not killed in, in the line of duty. He died of natural causes after the event. His parents have said he died of natural causes after the event. Everyone knows this, and that's what he said in that testimony. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who don't know that. 
Oh, I don't mean you. I'm talking about listening to the testimony. I think most of you who listen to this show know that. So, okay, so then that's Harry Dunn, and, uh, but that's not all he had to say. This is uh, really interesting. This is uh, clip 15. Let's listen to his story. He's a black man, a black Capitol Police officer, and this is his report of what happened on January 6th to him. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, You hear that, guys? This voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, Boo! No one had ever, ever called me a while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. In the days following the attempted insurrection, other black officers shared with me their own stories of racial abuse on January 6th. One officer told me he had never, and in his, his entire 40 years of life, been called a to his face, and that streak ended on January 6th. Yet another black officer later told me he had been cr- confronted by insurrectionists in the Capitol who told him, put your gun down and we'll show you what kind of you really are. All right. Okay, so let's just say we need to consider maybe, maybe that did happen. I'm sure I, mean, I wouldn't doubt somebody saying something like that. I would doubt lots of people saying something like that, and yet this is the narrative that people that went to J- the Capitol January sixth or were supporting President Trump are all racist because President Trump is a racist. So Harry Dunn has just told us uh, that his partner, his buddy uh, Brian Sicknick, died because of injuries sustained in the Capitol, and he asked for a moment of silence. But that was a lie. Okay, so then he, he tells us that he was called the N word, is what he says over and over. Um, so then you sort of listen and you go, well, I wonder, you know, can we trust Harry Dunn? Uh, I, I remember that when uh, Obamacare was being, uh, when it was getting near passage, that a delegation of Democrats led by uh, Nancy Pelosi walked through the Tea Party crowd and they claimed that they were called the N-word. And, and yet no one, even though there were cameras, videos, audio everywhere, no one was ever to find that. But that was their claim. I'm just saying. Uh, so, so let's find out more about Harry Dunn. Well, let me just say, people have gone back to look at Harry's tweets. Here's one of them. Racism is so American that when you protest it, people think that you're protesting America. Hashtag racist in chief. Hashtag racism. Hashtag leave it to whites to tell blacks what is racist. Hashtag stand with Ilhan Omar. Hashtag the squad. Here's another one. This is from Harry Dunn. I hate Tucker Carlson. What an out-of-touch a-hole that has no clue about anything that doesn't look like him or agree with him. And then there's an article in the Federalist that tells us more about him. Um, he is... Uh, oh, I could, I, could, I could take up too much of the show doing this, but and when um, that young man uh, shot and killed, I think it was... Now I see everything in Kenosha. I think three of them died. I think he was, uh, he was running away. He'd gone there from a, a town in Illinois to help because they were burning the place down. And uh, he was uh, uh, very good at shooting. He brought his gun. He also was there to help, and he wasn't there to shoot. And it showed pictures of him all night long trying to help in any way he could, give first aid. 
And then he's being chased down the street and verified witnesses and video account shows that he, they were, these three people were trying to kill him. You can see it. And so Tucker tweeted about that. And Harry Dunn re- responds in his tweet, why is murder an appropriate response to property damage, but property damage isn't an appropriate, resp- uh, isn't an appropriate response to murder? Well, because, Harry, it wasn't murder. It was self-defense. But that's just, that's Harry Dunn. And there are others, there, there are other examples, but I don't think, um, I, don't, I don't want to take the time to do them. But that's Harry Dunn, so can we, can we trust him? I kind of think not. I kind of think not. And so um, uh, that takes us to the press conference. Now, this is a totally different thing happening across town. And I can tell you, you can probably remember yourself that Louis Gohmert was planning this. I told you this last week. I asked you to call your congressman and ask them to join him. Uh, and I know that many of you did do that. Actually, we had um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs, Bob Good. And by the way, I could if you could today call their offices and thank them. Once I play some of this stuff, you're going to understand why, because they really put it out there yesterday. And uh, I told you that Congressman Gohmert was going to have a um, go to the jail uh, today, yesterday, sorry. And it ended up the Justice Department would not let them go to the jail until they came to the Justice Department. So they go to the Justice Department yesterday, and they weren't even allowed in the lobby. Five, one, two, three, four, five, six, six, Republican congressmen going to the Justice Department were not allowed in the lobby. So they go outside uh, to give a press conference. And uh, this is what happens. Actually, uh, Devin, let's play clip 17 because this is the opening statement. And you'll hear, I may interrupt. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let's listen. ...and sending letters about for months. We also uh, gave notice here at the Department of Justice that we were coming to ask our questions, and as you can see, we weren't even let in the lobby. Now, as members of Congress representing districts with hundreds of thousands of people, it's unbelievable to me that the Department of Justice will not let us in their lobby to even answer our questions. Questions that we've been asking. I'm going to interrupt her. She says some good things, but a lot of the things we've already talked about. So, but I want you to hear more. Let me just say that was the beginning of the disruptions, and they kept them up the entire time. They played horns, drums. Uh, One of the reporters who was covering it from RSBN, uh, senior correspondent Liz Willis. uh, This guy blew the whistle in her ear constantly. She asked him to stop. He wouldn't do it. Uh, And later on, it was C-SPAN. You know, uh, is the only outlet where you can hear this press conference. The RSB and video was removed from YouTube shortly after, and it got so uh, out of control that the staff of these congressmen were really worried for their safety, and they tried to get them to stop, but they didn't. Uh, And I understand that. If you watch it, it's just, this is in front of the Justice Department. This is in front of the Justice Department, and they held up signs that said, pedophile Trump, um, uh, Traitors, rapists, sit down. That's the, the placards they put behind the congressman. That's why I'm asking you uh, to call these guys and tell them thank you. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louis Gohmert, Matt Gates, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs, Bob Good. Uh, and um, I want you to hear now a little bit more un- uninterrupted of what they had to say. Bob Good from Virginia is a brand-new congressman. I went to speak for him when he was 
uh, trying to get elected, and he managed to get elected in Virginia. <laughs> Thank God for Bob Good. And he actually did the, almost the closing remarks, but I want you to hear what he had to say. Let's listen. You know, we see another example of the intolerant left who doesn't want to allow you to hear speech that they don't like. Uh, and this is an issue that I've been asked about by my constituents around the district over the past several months. Why don't we know what's going on with the folks who've been arrested from the January 6th incident? And so we're here today. We requested a meeting with the attorney general. And of course, we didn't get that meeting. So we're here today with my friends and colleagues seeking one thing, transparency. And I agree with my friend, Congressman Gohmert, that the events on January 6th were simply appalling. Despite what the media will tell you, everyone here today condemned the lawlessness of January 6th while also defending the constitutional rights of those who were here peacefully and lawfully protesting. So we're here today demanding answers to serious questions that the Department of Justice has ignored over these past several months despite repeated inquiries from my colleagues and other members of Congress regarding the treatment of the January 6th defendants. In this, in this country, there should be no question about the legal treatment of an American prior to the opportunity to answer the charges brought against them before a judge or a jury of their peers. Due process must be afforded to all Americans, period. Sadly, many questions, serious questions, previously presented by my colleagues have not been answered, but have been completely ignored by Attorney General Garland and the Department of Justice. While it's clear that Attorney General Garland may not be in a rush to respond to us, what is his answer to Defense Counsel Marty Tankliff, who said of the treatment of January 6th defendants, this is not normal. It's not normal to isolate people and make them eat off the floor. Mr. Tankloff would know this because he would know what normal treatment is because in detention because he was in prison for almost 20 years before being exonerated for a wrongful murder charge. Should we ignore Mr. Tankliff? Should we also ignore Senators Warren and Senator Durbin, who both expressed concerns about the accusations regarding January 6th defendants that they were in solitary confinement? I'm pleased that some federal judges have intervened on behalf of some of these claims of mistreatment, but there's no substitute for complete, dis complete transparency in our justice system and the protection of the public trust. Let's remember that back in March, the Department of Justice had to be reprimanded for discussing matters concerning this investigation and speculating on potential charges with the media, with prosecutors even being threatened with a gag order. I cannot remember that happening previously with the Department of Justice had to be reprimanded to not speculate on the media to the media regarding a high-profile case. It's fortunate, it's unfortunate that members of Congress have received only silence from the Department of Justice regarding the treatment of these defendants based upon concerns arising from statements made under oath. Yet the Department of Justice has not speculated or has not hesitated to speculate about this investigation to their friends in the media. I thank Congressman Gohmert, a former judge no less, for his commitment to the rule of law and to seeking the truth, even in the face of much opposition. Thank Absolutely. You. God bless these guys. And I can tell you, we're at a tipping point. This is in front of the Justice Department, this lawless uh, behavior and response. You could, you listen, they were on microphones, and so you could hear them through the audio there. But while you were there, if someone was trying to hear, I guarantee you they were not able to hear. And yet they persevered. They are the front line of defense for us.
Liz Cheney said that uh, that uh, uh, that um, uh, press conference was a, a disgrace. It was a disgrace. That's what Liz Cheney said. I think you should thank, if you can, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Louis Gohmert, Matt Gates, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs, and Bob Good. And we'll be back with more. Sandy Rios in the morning. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Moral relativism. Apathy. Fading allegiance to traditional morality. Americans are succumbing to double-mindedness about moral values. Many now say... Who's to say what's right or wrong? Personally, I disapprove of pornography, but that is only my own opinion. Like it or not, we are in a battle for our nation's moral compass. Time to learn more by reading A City Set on a Hill at afa.net slash the stand. afa.net slash the stand. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Psalm 46 is a popular psalm as it includes the text, Be still and know that I am God. This was the conclusion to a psalm that previously observed, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. This described what looked like the end of the world. Nevertheless, the psalmist remained unshaken. He refused to allow present difficulty to cause him to forget God's past faithfulness. Virus or no virus, God is our refuge and strength. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Emmy was in a bad relationship when she found out she was pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to get an abortion, which she seriously considered. I knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Emmy went to a preborn center in need of guidance. They honestly were able to put every fear at ease and let me know that it was going to be okay. Because of them, he's here. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Preborn clinics introduce moms in crisis to their babies through ultrasound while providing hope, love, and the gospel in action. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Congressman Eric Swalwell's betrayal of his country through a Chinese Communist Party gambit known in espionage tradecraft as a honey trap is reportedly the subject of a steaming classified intelligence community report about his sexual relations with a PRC spy fabulously named Fang Fang. Breitbart.com editor-in-chief Alexander Marlowe told Tucker Carlson last night that it details the deep penetration inside Swalwell's operation by Chinese intelligence. 
Hopefully, classification is being applied in this case not to protect a congressional overseer from further public humiliation, but because the report assesses the very real prospect that Swalwell is still being run, albeit more discreetly, by handlers in China's Ministry of State Security. Either way, it's completely unacceptable that Eric Swalwell continues to have access to our nation's most sensitive secrets. He must be stripped of his Intelligence Committee membership immediately. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It was clear the terrorists perceived themselves to be Christians. I saw the Christian flag directly at my front. Another read, Jesus is my savior, Trump is my president. Another, Jesus is king. One flag read, don't give up the ship. Another had crossed rifles beneath the skull, emblazoned with the pattern of the American flag. To my perpetual confusion, I saw the thin blue line flag, a symbol of support for law enforcement more than once, being carried by the terrorists as they ignored our commands and continued to assault us. The acrid sting of CS gas or tear gas and OC spray, which is mace, hung in the air as the terrorists threw their own CS ga- threw our own CS gas canisters back at us and sprayed us with their own OC, either they bought themselves or stole from us. It was a metropolitan, D.C. Metropolitan Police uh, uh, Officer Daniel Hodges testifying yesterday. A <clears throat> couple of things on that. I, I'm trying to just, I, 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 I am honestly, uh, it's easy to have a bias and to be blind to things uh, if you feel very strongly, whether it's for me, for it's COVID or this. Uh, but as I listen to him, what we also know is that the police lobbed all this tear gas and firebombs at people before any kind of trouble started. We, I saw the video. I put it on our Facebook page. Now, that was one part of the Capitol. That doesn't mean that's what happened on all the other parts. That's what I'm saying to you. So um, then he's talking about how they were Christians, and they had the Christian flag, and they said, you know, uh, Trump is my president, Jesus is my savior. And so the inference there is that all of those people that hurt him or came into the Capitol and did bad things were all Christians. I wonder what's wonder you wonder see that's part of the narrative of the left, certainly the religious left. So was that his idea to say that? You know, I, I just because this whole thing is um because the left is so wonderful at orchestrating uh theatrics, you just wonder. And you know, when you start handing out Kleenex before the event and you have congressmen like Kinzinger and Schiff breaking down crying. Did they know they were going? How did they know? I mean, is that normal? If there's a testimony, I don't think so because I've been there. If there's testimony, I didn't, haven't seen Kleenex handed out at these hearings on judicial nominees. But, you know, uh, so they must have, like, had an idea that something like that might happen. So I, I want to bring this back before we go on and play some more clips uh, to why... We are defending the people that are in prison in the D.C. jails. Uh, It is horrendous what's happening to them. No matter what they did in the Capitol, this is not American law. You do not hold people in detention like that and put them in solitary confinement and beat them and harm them and withhold food and medical treatment. We don't do that to any of our prisoners. uh, So uh, let me read this one. This is about Scott. Do I have a last name? Let's see. Uh, 
Rick Scott is his name. Rick Scott traveled to D.C. on January the 6th to join other patriots in support of President Trump. No, 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 his name is Scott Fairlamb. Sorry, i got to get that right. Scott Fairlamb. Scott traveled to D.C. on January 6th to join other patriots in support of President Trump. He has been illegally imprisoned since January the 22nd and has not seen his family since. He's lost his family business, Fairland Fit, which was the main source of income for the family. He's been in solitary confinement since March the 16th, locked in his cell for 26 hours every other day. He has suffered a heart attack and is under chemo treatment for leukemia. Scott is humbly asking for our financial support for his family and for his legal defense. Please graciously pray and give to Scott and Andrea's Give Sin Go Fund. And it's uh, givesingo.com, Six Patriot Relief. Um, that's not an unusual story. And that's wrong. If, if someone went into the Capitol and was wickedly attacking police and destroying property, then I'm not, I would never defend that. But a lot of the, most of the people that I've seen in the videos, I know they've, the 14,000 hours we haven't seen, I bet, would really demonstrate this. We're just wandering around, taking pictures, holding their flags. Uh, and then we saw some violent people, and we don't know who they were. Okay, so um, it is confusing, and that's exactly what the left wants. They always want to turn people against each other, turn people on each other. They love it. They love it. They love it. Okay, so let me just give you a positive. We've asked you to... to uh, send mail to the guys in prison. And I've been, it's really great news that this has been set up. You go to patriotmailproject.com, patriotmailproject.com. They list all the people that are in jail uh, and you can give you a way to, to communicate with them. And I hope that you'll do that. All right. So one of our heroes in this, from my perspective, uh, is Louis Gomert. And he's the one that organized the press conference. And I want I want you to have a chance to hear what he had to say, since you won't, unless you go to C-SPAN. By the way, Adam, let's put that C-SPAN link on our Facebook page, see how long it stays there. And uh, this is Congressman Gomert at the presser in front of the Justice Department when he couldn't, as a sitting congressman, enter the Justice Department. Think about that, not even in the lobby. Here's Louis Gomert. We have uh, gotten reports about mistreatment in the jail people being shipped to jails all over. And it is important to know the conditions in jail. We've asked for an opportunity to inspect the jails. Back when I was a felony judge, I would show up unannounced at jails or prisons because I needed to know uh, what kind of treatment people got that go in there. And uh, you know, when you have people that will probably be arrested here for disorderly conduct, uh, we need to make sure that the jails are treating them properly when they're arrested. But we condemn any violence, and I would have no problem at all uh, if I were still on the bench sending anybody that participated in uh, violence, theft, any of the uh, trespasses that knowingly did so, they, I'd have no problem sending them to jail. That would not be an issue. Uh, so we got to make sure that people like this here that are acting disorderly, that they're treated fairly when they get to jail. We have been asking for months for meetings with the Attorney General. We have asked 
in letters to the D.C. jail and been refused. Uh, the D.C. jail prison are under the, under the auspices of the federal prison system. And yet we've been denied that. They want no oversight. They don't want to give information. And yet there are reports of people being held and uh, demands for um, admission of guilt. And they have not been shown the evidence against them. They've not been shown the uh, exonerating, exculpatory evidence as required by law. So there are a lot of problems going on here. Now, for anybody that, for example, is out on bond and then uh, calls in nasty messages to the pretrial release, I got no problem sending them back to jail for sure. But we still need to know, do we have political prisoners here in America uh, or not? And we can't get an answer. And I was taught in the Army that normally no answer is an answer of no or an answer that, yes, what you're concerned about is happening, so we're not going to answer. So in any event, that's why we are here. That's why we would come out and subject ourselves to uh, standing up for people. Whether they've done right or wrong, they deserve to be treated properly. We're here standing up for due process. And I have fought for due process all of my professional career. I don't know if there's anybody else in Congress that has uh, represented a defendant who was sentenced to be put to death and who represented him for the highest courts and got his case reversed as I did. And as I told the court, the highest criminal court in Texas back when I argued his case, look, I'm here to make sure that we have due process that people that are brought to trial have an opportunity to have a fair trial, to get due process, to see the evidence against them, and to uh, actually see any exonerating evidence. Didn't happen in that case. His case was reversed. So I'm here just to try to see that due process is done, and I'm pleased to be standing with other concerned people from Congress about what is being happening? Are we housing political prisoners? We need to know the answer. Yeah, we need to know the answer. He says that was Congressman Louis Gohmert. And again, there were six of them. Uh, and you just can't imagine how hard it is, first of all, just to speak over that. And you heard his voice is going right into the microphone. So thank goodness uh, those of us that heard it through audio were able to hear it. But I guarantee you that no one there was able to hear what they were saying and that they persevered through that. Well, that's not the worst thing that's to happen to a person, but it takes stamina. It takes courage. And what we are experiencing here is psychological warfare. So the Democrats, uh, the left, the the communists, I don't know what else to call them. Democrat is too nice. My parents were Democrats. My in their former life, when they were younger, they were Democrats. I, I that that's not. I don't like using that. I don't have to make like this partisan. The leftist slash communist statists uh, are desperate to take over the control of this country, and they have made great gains. But they're not there yet. But they want you to think that they are. They want you to give up. Just give up. See how loud and how powerful we are. Uh, they are loud. 
And they do have power, but they don't have the power and control over the people yet. So don't let them discourage you. I don't care what happens in this hearing as it unfolds. I don't care what you hear. I remember what's true. Remember that our God is greater. And by that, I mean that truth is greater because our God is a God of truth. And so just continue to say the truth. Share this press conference. Share this information. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene ended the presser, and I think she put it in perspective. And uh, I want you to hear how she ended it. Let's listen. Um, first of all, to the guy that's blowing the whistle, we are not deterred. And so for anyone that's here being an activist and yelling today, here's the statement that I need everyone to understand We will not back down. We will not stop asking questions. We are looking for the truth. And we believe the truth can be found by reaching out and answering and asking the right questions to the right people. Listen, there's another thing. The taxpayers of this country pay all of these people's salaries and they owe the people of this country the answers to the questions. The left is interrupting the press conference. We need to end it. Thank you. For those of you that really care about due process, thank you. All right, so that's what's happening there is the left is coming now behind them, bringing banners, and they're getting closer to them. And so their staff is saying, we need to go. We need to wrap this up because they're worried about their safety. And so uh, that's why I'm asking you, honestly, uh, you can't even imagine how hard it is to be on the front lines of wa- in Washington right now. How discouraging and difficult and how they feel alone. Can you imagine how alone they do feel? If you could call Marjorie Taylor Greene and Louie Gohmert and Matt Gates and Paul Gosar and Andy Biggs and Bob Good today and tell them thank you, praise them for their courage and leadership, that would be a great thing. If you did nothing else today, that would be a great thing. Or just pick one of them and call their office. Call their local office, not their not their office in D.C. Uh, and um, actually, no, I, I amend that. You can call their office in D.C. because their staff needs to hear that too. Okay, so uh, that's something we can do. We can also write uh, the detainees and um, continue to try to discern what's right and what is wrong in this very confusing situation. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.